Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March. And ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Happy Thursday, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us on this Thursday edition of the Lombardi Line alongside former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Stormy Bon and Tony with you. Got a great two hours ahead coming up in about 30 minutes. We'll have VEASAN's own Mike Somich, professional handicapper, join the show, get some of his best bets for week 15, which is kicking off later on tonight. Chargers Raiders going head to head. And then in hour two, the one and only Mike Palm, VP of operations here at Circa Resort and Casino. Uh, lots to discuss as it pertains to not only the Circa Millions contest, but Circa Survivor oh down to just 13 contestants. Michael, I'm so excited to have to have Palm on the program later on today. Me, me too. I, I was reading Bill Ad's email this morning, which is wonderful, and everybody should get it because it's a, it's entertaining and it's informative. But he put up there the the link to show you what who these 13 contestants had left and where they could go, and it's kind of fascinating how many teams some of these people have left, but they wouldn't play them, but then some that they, you know, they're going to get in a pickle because we still have the Christmas day games and you got to save teams for that. So it's going to be funny down the stretch. And it sounds like you can, they can't get a consensus <laughs> to share the money. As I, I read the one tweet from the one guy, he said, I'm the best better ever. I'm not giving up. Well, you get to week 15 of the, of the circus survivor. You are a good better. I'll give you that. Yep. So there, there was one person of the 13 that didn't want to go ahead and do the agreement to make sure that everybody walked away monetizing their ticket. So there's a lot of different decisions that you can make. You can take credit out at Circa. or So uh, just a lot of interesting conversation points to get into with Mike. Can't imagine what it would be like to be one of those final 13 right now. And one of our own and Adam Burke and his partner are still alive. So I think we'll all be living and dying, sweating with Adam this coming week. Still five more picks to be made from that standpoint. And uh, like I said, we do have 
a game that is kicking off tonight. We'll get week 15 underway as the Raiders are a three-point favorite hosting the Chargers down at Allegiant Stadium here in Las Vegas. Total 34 and a half. How often do you see a team that was shut out the week prior as a three-point favorite? But of course, the big news, Justin Herbert shut down for the season, having surgery on the index finger of his throwing hand. He's done. So we'll get the Easton Stick and Aiden O'Connell experience tonight. Minus Keenan Allen. Correct. Keenan Allen's not going to play either, which is where is the ball going to go here? You know, and I think one of the things that have gotten has gotten overlooked in the last few weeks is how good the Raiders have been defensively in terms of keeping people out of the end zone. I mean, they've done a nice job defensively. You know, Pat Graham's team has been able to, you know, last week he gave up three points. I know the Chiefs scored 31 you know, holds Miami to 20 points. The, you know, the Jets only scored 12 on them, and the Giants score six. So, for me, it's, you know, it's a fairly – and even go back to the Lions game, but the game that after uh, Josh McDaniels gets fired, the Lions only scored 26 on them. So, for me, I think it's it, – it, they've been playing good defense and in terms of keeping you out of the end zone. They'll give you yards, but they'll keep you out. It'll be a challenge – to see where the Chargers put together how they orchestrate an offense because we know they don't run the ball very effectively. And without Herbert, where where do they get their passing yards from? Even though, and let's be clear, they haven't thrown the ball well even with Herbert over the last five weeks. Yeah, and, and you you imagine that you'll try to get Austin Eckler involved in the short passing game, but he's like he's really really struggled this season. So um, it'll be an inter- this is a tough game to handicap in general, Michael. You mentioned the Keenan Allen injury, but across the board on both sides, there are a lot of injuries coming into this game. Also for the Chargers, their corner Dean Leonard out with an ankle heel injury. You go over to the Raiders side of things um, up front on their offensive line, they're going to be down two starters there, and Colton Miller in their center, Andre James potentially without. John Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams dealing with an illness. Neither one of them practiced this week. Max Crosby with a knee also listed as questionable. You anticipate he's going to play. But like a lot of question mark coming into this game, which I think does make it hard to kind of get a good feel on how things might go tonight. I would be shocked if Josh Jacobs went and how effective can he be, right? I mean, I, I would be surprised if he went. He did, the way he walked off the field last week, he did not look like he was going to be able to to play this week, especially on a short week. You know, and the one area where I think the Chargers have improved this season is their run defense, right? They've improved uh, in terms of not letting people just run the ball down their throat like that we saw the Miami Dolphins do in the opening game where Miami actually ran the ball for more yards than they threw the ball in that game. So, you know, but where they have struggled is in the passing game. Last time they played, Khalil Mack had six sacks. O'Connell held the ball. In spite of all that, Stormy, in spite of all that, you know, when you watch that game and you go back and look at that game and you and you revisit it, I mean, they're throwing the ball in the end zone with no time, really with very little time on the clock and and have a chance to tie it. And the Chargers, with Herbert in the game, couldn't throw the ball. Remember, Mike Williams was hurt in that game, too. They threw for 150. So the Raiders are playing better defensively now than they did then. And the Raiders' offense pretty much the same it's been all year it hasn't just been good enough so to me I could see why the Raiders are the favorite here I mean the game in the in in Los Angeles the Chargers were five and a half point favorite they covered 
Raiders, a top 10 defense in points allowed per game now, just under 20. And Chargers, you talk about their defense and 29th overall in total defense, 29th against the pass. But to your point about their run defense improving, 16th in that category. Um, this is a game that's also seen some over money, despite all of that, which I found a little bit interesting. We've seen as low as 33, as high as 35 now, kind of settled at that 34 and a half. But unders have been a trend for both teams. Um, this, <laughs> and as evidenced by what this number is, given that it is an indoor game, correct? Um, Chargers, yeah. we we know they had that six nothing game the other day. Raiders, obviously coming off a three nothing game. Um, Raiders ten and three to the under this season, including five of their last six. Offensively, when we talk about their struggles, have only scored over eighteen points. What is it? Twice this season. The last time yeah. they scored more was against the Giants in Week Nine. That's how long it's been. I mean, and we get no explosive play. Neither team can make an explosive play. How do you get points in the NFL, right? Okay, you got to cross the goal line. Get that. But you got to make explosive plays. What's the Chiefs' problem this year? Can't make explosive plays. As good as Mahomes is, they can't do the 40-yard play, the 35-yard play. And so that becomes the real issue in both teams. Mike Williams goes out. You know, and, and they lose their explosive playmaker. The Raiders haven't been able to get the ball down the field. And when they do get the ball down the field, you know, for whatever reason, they just can't seem to make the play, right? They, they get it in a situation where, okay, you're throwing it up the field, you got a chance to make a play, but you can't quite make it. And I, and I think that's really been the key why they have really failed this year. They just haven't had any explosiveness within their offense. A 20-yard gain here, a 15-yard gain there, but... You know, Trey Tucker's had many opportunities to catch a ball down the field, and somehow he just doesn't stay in bounds half the time, like last week, right? Remember that play he had last week? And and they just didn't hold on to the ball or, or capture the ball well enough to get the play. I mean, he's got 63 yards. You know, he's got, I, I think it's, uh, no, he's got 161 yards, but he could have almost 300 if he'd have made some of the catches that he didn't quite make. Um, quarterback play is going to be one to monitor this game, especially after the first, the first you've talked about a lot this week after the first half of the Raiders game against the Vikings, you, if you were in that situation would have pulled Aiden O'Connell, no question, just throw Jimmy Garoppolo in there. See if you can get some sort of a change of pace to move the football. Um, this game, the expectation is at least from a report initially this week from Vic Taffer is that potentially the leash going to be a little bit shorter here for Aiden O'Connell. If he does not have success tonight. I don't understand why he has a leash. You know, I mean, to explain that to me, like what game do you want me to go watch that's not a preseason tape that you sit there and say, boy, he really played well. Like he really is like there. We're building something like, okay, you know, I know he's a younger player. He's an older player, Jake Browning, but Browning's got two games where you say, okay, you got a little bit now. I'm going to, I'm going to fight with you through. I mean, we're watching the game last week and Dobbs was on a short leash and got pulled. O'Connell was just grant like he's just okay. Like I get that everybody was down on Garoppolo. I get that. He gets hurt. He he doesn't play well. But one of the things I think Garoppolo was trying to do was fit into the Raider offense under McDaniel, which put a lot of responsibility on the quarterback. Okay. And that made it very challenging because Jimmy was not used to going and doing so much within the offense. I know he played in New England, but most of his training has been in San Francisco where the quarterback didn't have to make the mic call. The quarterback didn't have to do this. He did, all you got to do is just go play. The game's kind of easy for you in San Francisco. So why not go back to him and do that? I, 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 there was a, that game was so winnable, and you would be right in the mix of things if you win that game. All it took was one play. Is there any element of 
and I, I don't know, I can't speak for anybody in that building, but is there any element of just wanting to be right? Because so much pressure was put on the team and the franchise to make the change to Aiden O'Connell to begin with. It's just like, hey, stick him out there and see if things get better. Like just to prove that, okay, prove ourselves right, that we made the right decision in making the switch. Well, I mean, look, prove yourself right. Hunter Renfro, get him the ball more. Every time Hunter Renfro's touched the ball the last two years, he fumbles. And the guy, they paid him $16 million a year. They paid him more than – he's one of the highest-paid players on the team. They can't get anything out of him, you know? And so, like, they've been proven wrong on almost everything. You know, the, the, the decision to pass on Jalen Carter. And, and I say this with respect to the people that were there because I like all those people, but they haven't done enough of there, you know? And so I think to me – you know, when you're Antonio Pearson, you're sitting there, Stormy, and you and you you want this job more than anything. You know, there it was right in front of you. You sh- in the second quarter, you knew it wasn't going to get turned around. I would have been on the headset saying, "Look, I'll give him one more series, and that's going to be it." Look, here's the fallacy, and I said this on the podcast, Stormy, today. The, the the greatest myth we got going on right now is the Raider way. That's all we hear about. We'll hear about it tonight. The Raiders don't have a way. They don't have a way. They haven't had a way. 40 years. It's been 40 years. The last 40 years since their Super Bowl, they have a they have a 45% winning percentage. 45%. They've been to the playoffs 14 times in the last 40 years. And since 2002, the Super Bowl that I was with them in, they have a 37% winning percentage and went to the playoffs twice. Like, don't tell me there's a way. You have a brand. The emblem's a brand. Everybody loves the brand. But most of this generation, you included, have never seen the Raiders good. I think that's a great tease. In hour two, when we revisit this game, let's get into the Raider way and the why that might be. And if there is an opportunity to potentially get back to that under Mark Davis as their as their owner. We're going to take a step aside here. First time out of the day. When we come back, news or noise, breaking down some of the big headlines in the league. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex-
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. College Bowl season is here, and VEASAN has an early Christmas present for you. Not a VEASAN Pro subscriber yet? No problem. We're giving away this year's College Bowl betting guide to everybody for free. We've got spreads, totals, and expert picks from the Golic, Steve Mackinnon, and Brent Musburger for every single bowl game. Put a bow on this bowl season. Get your free copy of our VEASAN College Football Bowl betting guide today. VEASAN.com slash bowl guide is where you can do it. Again, absolutely free. Make sure you join us. Is it news? Corleone is a man who insists on hearing bad news immediately. Or just noise. Are you going to act like this is news? Just noise. This is noise. Let's separate the impactful from the insignificant with one simple question. News or noise? All right, let's do it. After the Jets found themselves scoreless in the first half of their game this past week, Zach Wilson put together what his head coach Robert Sala called maybe the best half of his career. Also in New York, Tommy DeVito leads an improbable win over the Green Bay Packers on Monday night, became the first undrafted rookie in the common draft era to lead two game-winning drives. With that, both of these quarterbacks ended up earning their respective conferences Player of the Week honors, Michael. News or noise, these two popping off last week. Wow. I, I mean, you got to give them the news, right? I, I mean, they did it on the field. It didn't seem like it would ever happen for Zach. Uh, DeVito has Joe Barry to thank for this tremendously. I think he should send him a nice basket, perhaps even allow him to go into Rayo's when he comes to New York the next time and have dinner up in Harlem. But, I mean, look, you got to give him credit for it. I mean, you got to give him credit for what they accomplished. So it is news. So news for the week, how about long-term? Was week 14 a flash in the pan for these two, or could we Wilson and DeVito be sticking around maybe a little bit longer? Well, I mean, anytime Wilson does anything, it guarantees him eight more games. I mean, it's like when I worked for the Raiders and one of Al Davis's players would play good, we would say to ourselves, well, he's here for two more years. That guarantees him two more years, you know, even though he wasn't worthy. I would suspect it's it's going to both will be around for a while. I don't see DeVito being able to play against a good defensive coordinator like Dennis Allen. You can hate Dennis Allen as a head coach. He's a really good defensive coordinator. I think he'll struggle this week down in New Orleans, and this this Tommy DeVito sensation will, will end. Well, I think it's – not I think. I know it's going to end soon. Well, people seem to be taking the points there. It's down to five and a half now against the Saints. So the Tommy Cutlets era continues for now. Another team that we've had to talk about the quarterback situation a good bit when it pertains to the draft options that they might have this year is the Arizona Cardinals. But Cardinals Mm. offensive coordinator Drew Petzing had a lot to say about Kyler Murray and what he has earned this year on the Adam Schefter podcast. Take a listen. And then, Drew, I know it's not your decision. But Arizona has two first-round draft picks. A lot of people wondered whether they could eventually pursue a quarterback. But it sounds like in your mind, you know who you'd like your quarterback to be. Am I reading that incorrectly? No, absolutely. I think, And the goal is always going to be to make the roster better in every way, shape, and form. I think Monty 
the, you know, the scouting staff, the entire department is committed to that goal. But feel really good about where Kyler's at as a franchise quarterback. I mean, he's absolutely that, as you just said. And I think he's done a great job of embracing that role and owning that role and, and moved into that role as he hit the field here, you know, whatever it was about a month ago. Um, so I've been really pleased with that. News or noise, Michael, what do you think? Well, I mean, like I thought what Adam said, it's not his job to say that. Uh, but it sounds like that's the that's news because I don't think he would be saying it without having people tell him the same thing. You know, I just don't see it. I don't agree with it. I think when you play against good teams like San Francisco and they rush you inside, I mean, look, they beat Pittsburgh. He threw for 132 yards, right? You know, he lost to Houston. He lost to the Rams. They beat Atlanta in the first game, and, they, you know, he had a decent game in that game. But you talk about a franchise quarterback, Stormy. Now, I know they paid him like one, so I know that. And they can't get out of it, right? If they, if they keep him on the roster on the third day of the league year, fifth day, they're going to guarantee him $98 million. So there may be no turning back on this, but if they don't give themselves an opportunity to look at the market and say, we could have this player and trade this guy, I think they're making a mistake. Lots of potential opportunity as we get closer to draft season. They currently own the number three overall pick as where things sit right now in the draft order, as well as the Texans first rounder three and 10 on the year, but two and two since Kyler Murray has rejoined that lineup as the starting quarterback. There's been a lot of talk coming out of these NFL winter meetings, Michael NFL executive VP of football operations, Troy Vincent called NFL officiating a work in progress. He and Roger Goodell discussing another year fueled with frustrations about the ways that things are being called quote we're always looking to improve officiating it's a constant work in progress we're not perfect the concern is to make sure we are getting better he also said we have to act responsibly when calls are missed because quote we want the game to be played on the field news or noise i think it's news because at least they acknowledged it in the past they would never acknowledge it they would just say it we're doing great you know at least troy vincent acknowledged it's a work in progress i mean it's horrible it's been horrible for a while. The, and what's horrible isn't the calls, it's the inconsistencies mm-hmm. of the calls. You just don't know what you're going to get each week. I mean, each week I write down who's going to be doing what game and, you know, looking at where, you know, the numbers and, and kind of getting a sense of what kind of game will you get. You know, you got Sean Hockley going to do the Kansas City New England game. Well, you're going to get your, that flag's going to be on the ground. You're going to get some. He's going to call everything. And you're going to have no idea about whether you're going to get the right call on the back judge or the wrong call on the line judge. Look, we're making way too much of it. The kid was off sides. Yeah. That's the right call. That's That should be the last thing we talk about is that they, they called Tony for being offside. The guy couldn't officiate the game because he couldn't see the football. What do you want him to do? Then everybody should line up offsides, right? I mean, well, why not? I mean, Chris Jones is offside on every single snap. Nobody calls that. That's one of the funniest parts of all of this is that the one of the biggest controversies controversies in officiating this year has been a call that was correct. It was been a call yeah. that was called correct on the field. But these these officials have so much on their plates now with rule changes and different intricacies. Like it is an extremely hard job. So what's what's the change? It's great that Roger Goodell and, and Vincent are recognizing these things, but producer Elliot and I were talking about this before the show. At the end of the day, yes, they work for the NFL, but these officials are still contractors. Are they going to make them full-time employees? Are they going to have additional education? Like, what what can make this better? What can improve the consistency in officiating? That, that's the hard one. Is I think, you know, to me, they don't understand the game well enough. When they call holding on a guy who gives up his body, that's not holding. You know, it's so, like, understand the game. Like, you gave yourself up. You're a one-for-one exchange player. You can't call holding on that. 
you you can't you know and so i think you got to like teach them the game better teach them what the coaches are teaching like try to do that and i think that would be a step forward because they're calling things like the problem is we've been saying this for 30 years is the pass interference is like the strike zone in baseball you just don't know what it is you just have no idea whether they're going to call the arm around they're not going to call it around are they going to call this are they going to call you turn your head you just have no idea. I mean, illegal contact, five yards away from the football or on a key down, you just don't know. But, and the in, that's what drives people crazy is when they make a stupid call in a point in a game where you don't have any idea. Well, let's, let's stick to that in terms of officiating because Roger Goodell said on the hip drop tackle, quote, we all should work to get that out of the game. Meanwhile, this is another thing that there's no real universal definition for what exactly a hip drop tackle yeah. is. The NFL just has criteria for it, but we know Mark Andrews, Tony Pollard, I mean, that's how Jordan Travis broke his leg in the college game. Even this past week, Tyreek Hill on a hip drop tackle. News or noise that Goodell had that statement to make? Well, we got to get it out of the game, but the problem is we don't teach. The, here's the problem. We don't spend enough time teaching tackling. See, they want to get that play out of the game, but then they don't want to put pads on players. They don't want to practice. So how do you teach tackling if you don't practice? How do you teach how to – why do you think there's so much grab, 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 grab now? Because that's, that's how they tackle. There's no form-fitting tackles like in the 60s, and I know I sound like an old guy, but it, but that's the case. Like they were teaching you how to tackle, wrap your arms around, put your body, put your, you know, lead with your face, not your head. All those fundamental sound principles of tackling. When you had time to practice, now there's no time to practice. They talk about protecting the quarterback. Oh, that's great. Well, they know based on this year, even how they officiate the game doesn't protect the quarterback. What would protect the quarterback if we would allow the offensive lineman to have an off-season program that's longer than six weeks. If we could start March 1 with offensive linemen and put them in there and not put them on the field, not put them on the field, not go one-on-one, but work with them and drill them on their fundamentals and their techniques, that would improve quarterbacking play. And that goes back to even the conversation we had when Tom Brady's statement became like so widespread and viral about protecting players as a quarterback, right? What he can do to to not get his wide receivers hurt in certain instances. Those are things that you have to teach and that happen at that time in the year. Um, the NFL is still in the early stages of gathering data on that hip drop tackle, Always. but they have found those types of tackles um, result 25 times more likelihood of injuring a player than other tackles. One last one. We only got yeah. 30 seconds. News or noise, the NFL going to Brazil and they're going to up the number of international games in 2025. Complete news. This game's going crazy. I mean, we're exploding. The ratings in this country is unbelievable, and the game is going to continue to keep exploding. I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's great. I don't. I think the nonsense about going too far. Look, the players benefit from this too. They get the revenue from going to these games as well. It will go up from four international games to eight in 2025. So, uh, and, and teams will not have to play in more than one international game if they do not want to. We'll be right back. Mike Somich joining us next. Get play on Thursday Night Football and more of Week 15 in the NFL. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today and get a daily email recapping all the best bests from our show hosts and guests. You'll also get unlimited access to our VEASAN.com slash picks page. 
sort picks by sport, matchup, event date, and more. You can also check on the top VEASAN experts leaderboard to view betting records, profit, and ROI. See which VEASAN expert has the hot hand. For VEASAN Pro Picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus 24-7 video access. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. You can sign up now for just $9.99 at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. And if you did that last week, you would have seen on the picks page a 5-0-1 day from our friend Mike Somich, who joins us live on the Lombardi line now, host of the handle here on VEASAN every weekend, also a professional handicapper. Mike, welcome in, especially because last Thursday night, when everybody in Patriots Steelers was talking about the under, talking about X, Y, and Z, you said, nay, I'm going to get involved in tackles props, and you crushed it. Yeah, every now and then you got to look to markets that, that people ignore, and we talk a lot about props on VEASAN. A lot of people talk about receiving yards and rushing yards. The tackles plus assist prop gets ignored in a lot of places, so I like looking at that market every now and then. It's just I don't think it's as sharp as some of the other prop markets that you can play into. Yeah, and, and when you know the game's going to get under, you know there's a lot of tackles. You know, the one thing you do know is when there's a lot of scoring, there's not a lot of tackles. When there isn't a lot of scoring, there's a ton of tackles. You're right, and I, I mean that goes right to my theory for tonight's game. Look, I, I am going to play the under. I'm shocked that we are still sitting at 34 and a half tonight. Uh, we don't have any Justin Herbert. It doesn't look like Josh Jacobs is going to play. Keenan Allen is out of this game. You've got huge issues on the offensive line for the Raiders. I'm not sure where the points are going to come from. I was expecting this game to get bet down, and we have seen under money come in over the last 24 hours or so. The total is at right around 33 and a half. We're up to 34 and a half. I like the under quite a bit here. I wrote about it on VEASAN on Tuesday, expecting this to close somewhere in the 32 range. I'm, I'm shocked I'm talking to you guys here on Thursday, and we still have a chance to play the under at 34 and a half. So I like the under quite a bit here. If at some point I can find a first half under that gets to 17 and a half, I'm going to be playing that pretty heavily as well. Right now you can get some 16 and a half, some pretty juice 17. So I'm going to wait and see if we do get more over money in and then that take that first half under. But to your point, Michael, if I'm playing the under, I think we're going to have a big tackling day again. And I, I like Robert Spieline quite a bit for the Raiders here to go over his tackles plus assist prop. That's at eight and a half right now. And when you look at what the Easton stick experience is going to be like in this game, it feels like you're going to see a lot of Austin Eckler. You're going to see a lot of runs from this team. But then on the passes, he's going to check it down quite a bit. We saw uh, almost 40 percent of his targets go to either tight ends or running backs once he came into the game. Another 40% went to Keenan Allen. I expect a lot of Keenan Allen's share to go to Everett, a lot to go to Eckler. And if that happens, it creates more opportunities for tackles for a middle linebacker as well. Well, and you mentioned Everett. You're targeting his over on receiving yards as well. Talk us through that a little bit more. Yeah, the receiving yards props, I think, are really interesting for the Los Angeles Chargers in this spot. So you, you've got Easton Stick sitting at 188 and a half yards for his passing prop. You only really have four players on the Chargers that have receiving props, and their total yardage adds up to 122 yards. So we're in one of those situations where if you think Easton Sticks can get close to that 188, you could almost play the four players, uh, Eckler, Palmer, Everett, and um, Eckler, Palmer, Everett, and, and Quentin Johnston as a, a portfolio of overs here, because if he gets to 150, it's highly likely that three of the four guys go over since each of their props are between 27 and a half and 32 and a half. However, I think Everett is the biggest beneficiary here. So I am just going to play Everett over uh, receiving yards prop. It's at 29 and a half right now. He's gone over this total the last two games. He got close to 20% of the target share once Easton Stick came in last game. And like I said, it feels like a lot of those Allen targets are going to go to Everett. We see with these young quarterbacks, they rely on tight ends, easier throws. 
And so I expect that we're going to see quite a bit of Everett usage tonight. So I'll go over his 29 and a half yard receiving prop. You know, I just was on McAfee and they asked me for a couple picks. I like Baltimore this week and so do you. I think Jacksonville struggles against the forward pass. And I think Jacksonville's not the same team at home, especially with their offensive line. And Baltimore was embarrassed by the way the Rams moved the ball on them. But why do you like the Ravens this week? I think it's a great chance to, to sell the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, this is a team that I have not fully trusted all season. It's one of those where they just they find ways to lose football games. Now they have you have an upset Baltimore team who I think is going to be pretty fired up coming into this game. Cisco got injured for Jacksonville, one of their star safeties last game. That hurts that defense quite a bit. I'm still not 100% sold that, you know, Trevor Lawrence is just totally fine from this high ankle sprain that somehow he miraculously recovered from last week. So I don't think you're going to see as much push on the offensive side either. We haven't seen ETN really be able to get going at all. So I'm not sure how Jacksonville is going to successfully move the ball on a consistent basis against this Baltimore defense. You flip it around. I think, you know, I'm not really scared of the pass rush in Jacksonville. I'm not scared of the secondary in Jacksonville. I'm not scared of the run-stopping ability of Jacksonville. So I think Baltimore has a lot of success on the offensive side. So it's just, it looks like a perfect storm here where I get to fade a team I've been looking to fade. I get to take a better team, and I'm laying just a field goal in this spot. I, I like Baltimore quite a bit this week. Mike Zomich joining us here on the Lombardi Line. VEASAN host of The Handle every weekend, 4 to 7 Pacific, 7 to 10 Eastern. And uh, the Ravens currently sitting in the one seat in the AFC playoff picture. Miami had an opportunity to hold on to that spot, let it go against the Titans this past week. They saw their starting center go down. He's done for the season. Tyreek Hill now compromised and injured. And so this spread against the Jets this week down to eight and a half. And Zach Wilson played the best football that we have seen maybe of his career in the second half last week. Total in this game 37 and a half how are you breaking things down now there's one thing i believe from last week and one thing i don't believe from last week i don't believe zach wilson will be that good again and this is a better <laughs> miami defense than what we saw last week that he was facing against houston we w- watched this game play out on black friday and this was one of the most faulty overs i have seen all season long if you remember we had two pick sixes in the final minute of the first half including a hail mary pick six which produced 14 points and then we had a trash touchdown in the se- in the late second half for the jets which was their only offensive touchdown of the game and then miami recovers an onside kick and busts a, a kick re- or a, a run for a touchdown you get another trash 14 points late in that game the total for that game was 42 They only got to 47 and you had 28 points that were just wild. I'm shocked. We're sitting here at 37 and a half. Now, if you look at Miami's offensive line, that is what I do believe. That's going to be a massive problem for them moving forward. They've had a problem keeping that line together and keeping it. We've had injuries consistently in the front. And I've talked about this before. Look, I'm a Dolphins fan. Tua has issues when he gets under pressure. If he doesn't can't get the ball out on time and with the first read, all of a sudden it's a little bit of a mess back there. This is a Jets defensive line that is going to feast on an offensive line in Miami that you now have a backup center. You've got to shuffle it because the players taking center, Edinburgh, he's coming over from a backup left guard position. So now you have your third string left guard in as well. Just the overall offensive line for Miami is a disaster. And then we saw how much Tyree Kill mattered to that offense. It's hard to believe you're going to get 100% Tyree Kill in this game. And so when I'm combining a good Jets defense with a beat-up offensive line, with a situation that's not positive for Tua, no Tyree Kill, I don't see how Miami puts up a bunch of points in this game. And then you flip it over, look, this Miami defense was able to handle the Jets offense just a couple weeks ago. So 37 and a half, I think, is way too high for this total. I'll take the under in this spot as well. And what, what's your thoughts? I know you don't have it as official play, but would you take the eight and a half and the Jets? 
I would be much more tempted to take the eight and a half. Uh, I, I wouldn't lay it with Miami here just because I don't trust that offensive line at all. And, and when you have offensive line issues and you have Tua, I just don't see how they have that explosive offense that we've seen from them in the past before. And as crazy as this sounds, look, Zach Wilson's like a two and a half point upgrade from Tim Boyle. And so you got to think that you're going to get a better version of that Jets offense than what we saw on Black Friday. I I would take it with the Jets if I'm going to play it. But to me, the, the under here is by far the best play in this game. You also have interest in Patriots Chiefs. What are you looking at? <laughs> I'm going to go with a, a pretty dirty one here. Give me <laughs> under two and a half points in the first quarter for the what? team total for the Patriots. <laughs> I, I don't think they score early in this game. Look, this is a Kansas uh. City defense that has been very good and a Patriots offense that has been very bad. Ezekiel Elliott, well, he is a, a good guy to kind of churn out short yardage plays. He's not going to bust a big play. So I don't have to worry about the big play capability here from this Patriots offense. On the other side, I get a Chiefs team that doesn't turn the football over very much. When I'm playing these props where everything has to go the way you expect, I want a team like the Chiefs, who if they have the ball and score in the first quarter, are going to take up a lot of the clock. They're not going to turn the football over. They're not going to give up a big play on defense. So it's a situation where, you know, I just got to sweat two, maybe two and a half Patriots drives here to keep this puppy under. So I'll go under two and a half points in the first quarter for the New England Patriots. Are you, you know, as a, as a Miami fan, do you think they can get the one seed? And where do you see them come playoff time? Are you going to fade them or are you going to bet them? They're a fade for me. I, I don't think they can get the one seed after what happened. It's really frustrating, too, because I, I believe if this team was fully healthy, they would have a very legitimate shot to come out of the AFC. But they need to be fully healthy. That offensive line needs to protect Tua. And the Jalen Phillips injury, it was a monstrous one for them. Having Phillips and Chubb as edge rushers for that defense and Vic Fangio's style and two very good cornerbacks made the defense elite. And look, Van Ginkle, he's played very, very well. But he's just not Jalen Phillips. He's not going to have the consistency that Jalen Phillips has. And we saw that. He had a very good game week one. Last week, he really struggled. And so without those two edge rushers, I think it's tough for Miami's defense. And then that offensive line, just they need to be healthy because Tua needs to be protected. Also, I'm sure as a fan, you've been watching the in-season hard knocks. Like, that made you feel that much more for Jalen Phillips. Hate it for that guy in the season that yeah. he was having and the opportunity ahead of him. Mike, thank you so much for the time. Of course, have it going with the Achilles, too. I just I did that. I, I felt so bad for him. I know. Um, also, I don't know why I laughed at the two and a half as somebody who bet under a half a point in the first half for Iowa in the in the championship game. A couple. So, you know, neither here nor there. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. In the NBA, the game can change in an instant, but no matter how the action unfolds, DraftKings Sportsbook has your back. This week, new customers can score $150 instantly in bonus bets just for betting 5 bucks on basketball. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code VSIN. That's V-S-I-N, DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Michael Lombardi and Stormy Bonantoni with you back here on the Lombardi line. And like we do every week, time for a little different game or more of the same. So we're going to look at a few units from this past week in the NFL, some that have had really, really great performances. Some of them were not so great and see if that'll push forward or not in week 15, starting with the Cleveland Browns, who in start number two for Joe Flacco, things were looking pretty darn good. He threw for over 300 yards. They put up 31 points against the Jags, one for one in their lone red zone attempt, scored a touchdown, three for three on fourth down conversions as well. Different game or more of the same, Michael, as they go up against a Bears defense that's been much improved. Well, I think the one thing we have to take into account, the the Browns' defense has not played as well over the last month that we saw them earlier in the season. And a lot of that is injury, right? Miles Garrett's healthier, but their team, you know, they're losing players. They haven't had Denzel Ward on the field. They're just not the same. So, and then offensively, they've lost three offensive linemen. Whether Posick plays or not, they're starting center. If he doesn't, they'll have three backups in their offensive line, which I think is problematic against a good Bears team that's playing with some confidence. No weather in Cleveland. I would be surprised if we get more of the same. D. Ford's hurt too. I just think this limits the, the, the Browns' offense, and everybody's going to come out of the game saying, well, Flacco he's reverted back to his old time. I think a lot of it is because they're losing so many players. Their injury report this week was so bad, and it's got guys all over the starters that they can't get back on the field. Yeah, we, we talk about weather and injury reports every single week. The Browns currently 8-5 and five, are sitting in that five spot in the AFC playoff picture. Remaining games, they host Chicago this week at Houston next week, Jets and at Cincinnati. So there are winnable games, but like we've talked about a lot this week, you can't pencil in anything anymore. So going to have to play their best moving forward. Spread in this game coming up, Browns lay in three against the Bears total 37 and a half. How about the Vikings defense? Uh, as we talk about the Raiders a lot coming up tonight, 
night on Thursday Night Football shut out the Raiders this past week, a 3 nothing game, which I just still cannot get over. Um, they forced three turnovers. Either. They forced three turnovers, though. Got to the quarterback a number of times. They are getting three in Cincinnati this week. So different game or more of the same for this Vikings defense against Jake Browning, who's been unbelievable for the Bengals last two weeks. Uh, we're going to get more of the same. We've had more of the same, really, since week five when they played Kansas City. Kansas City moved the ball through the passing game on them and won that game 27-20. to 20. Remember, we this Minnesota team, they have a chance to beat the Chargers. They throw the interception in the end zone. They lose the opener to Tampa Bay because they turned the ball over three times in that game. Okay, so this is a team that even though in spite of the injuries, could be really a nine-win team if they would have taken care of some red zone turnovers that they didn't early in the season. This defense from the first three weeks of the season has greatly improved, and it keeps improving. It's impossible to run the ball, not that the Bengals want to run the ball, but they're playing really well. They're attacking the pocket. They're blitzing. They cause problems for the opponent. I think you'll get more of the same here. Michael, can I get two more wins out of this Minnesota team. They are at Cincinnati, obviously, this week. They have a home-and-home against Detroit, and they host Green Bay. Can the Vikings get two more wins? Well, you got to feel like that last Detroit game might might not mean anything, especially Detroit going on the road. And, you know, Detroit's had a bunch of injuries, so you got to feel like Detroit's not going to be playing for a seeding. I don't think Detroit's going to catch San Francisco or they're going to catch Dallas or Philly, right? So forget that. So Detroit's going to be a four seed, can improve their position, count that as a win. Can you get one more win? Can I hear for one more win out of the next three? I think you can. Look, I think a lot of it's going to come down to Nick Mullen, right? Can Nick Mullen do anything well, right? I think Kevin O'Connor will game plan it. I think Kevin O'Connor will give him a lot of easy throws. He'll make it so that he's comfortable within the offense. He's just got to be able to execute and be on target, that's been his concern. I mean, last week he threw 13 passes. Four of them were off target. They were so off target that the Raiders could intercept them. Also, a good reminder for that game. Looks like Justin Jefferson is going to go despite having to be hospitalized this past week, checking for internal injuries. He looks to have avoided significant injury, which is great. Um, unfortunate to see his first game back after being on injured reserve cut so short. But he is back in the fold, so Nick Mullins will have his top weapon. But as we know, that preseason win total for the Vikings was 8.5. They are sitting at 7 wins. Your girl needs 2 more. Um, let's look at a couple more things here. How about there's those? A bunch of te- yeah, there's a bunch of teams that, that they can mm-hmm. There's some teams that can get their overtotals and undertotals. Yeah, Yeah, this is a big week. There's a lot in the balance coming up here soon (laughs) for season win totals. I'm, I'm, I'm still holding out hope for the Steelers, although prayers up for your girl on that one as well. How about the uh, the Eagles' offense though this week, Michael? They they moved the ball but could not get into the end zone this past week. Well, their defense did. They did have a defensive touchdown, but uh, it was all Jake Elliott in terms of the other points scored in this one. They turned the ball over three times, over in the red zone. Different game or more of the same in Seattle this week, laying four. I think we'll get a little different game. I think we'll see them try to run the ball more. You can attack Seattle on the ground, and I don't think Seattle's a very good defense. Clearly, Pete's complaining about the defense you know, he called out players specifically, said that we we're just not playing good enough on defense. And he's true. You know, they, they're 27th in points allowed. They're 28th in yards. They, 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 they're 31st in first downs allowed. I mean, they can't stop you in terms of in any area, whether it's run or pass. So I think this Eagle offense will turn around. And the most important factor of the Eagle offense is to play from in front. 
so they can continue into their play-action pass passing game. That's what they need. When they're in a drop-back pass game, they're not as effective. Seattle sets up perfectly for them. Now, they've got to stop Seattle. That's going to be critical. Seattle can score points. We saw them score 35 against the Cowboys. So they can score points. But for me, I think the, the key component is they've got to play from in front and against a Seattle defense that is not very good in run or pass, they should. Yeah, and I don't know if you'll agree with this, but I I think this week for Philadelphia is extremely important in terms of confidence because of the way the last couple of weeks have gone, and they have been like just beaten and battered and spent a lot of time on the field for that defense. This is an important week for them, especially on that side of the ball, I think. Yeah, Um, no, I, I agree. And Stormy, the other thing is, too, why did Pete Carroll call his team out, right? Because this he's on a four-game losing streak. Remember, and they were four, you know, they should have beat the Rams. They lost that. They only gave up 267 to the Rams. Next week, they give up 377. They increase 110 yards in terms of how many yards they give up. Then the next week against the Cowboys, they're up to 411. And then last week against your 49ers, they gave up 527. So they're trending in the worst possible direction against a team that needs to continue that trend. Uh, one more here. Let's we, we talked about the Lions a little bit and you know what they might do the final week of the season, but how about this week? Because coming off of a game against the Bears where it looked like that Lions defense, not only in that game, but a few weeks now, starting to revert back to that defense of last year, allowed 336 total yards, 28 points, did not force a turnover, gave the Bears 21st downs. Honestly, this Lions team should have been swept by the Bears this season. If you remember that yep. earlier season game when they had a significantly uh, had a significantly late and then let the Lions come back. But different game or more of the same for that Lions defense this week against the Broncos? More of the same. And look, here's what's going to change the game a little bit, right? So when Sean Payton knows he can't run the ball like he did against Minnesota, he will throw it. The most passing attempts that Russell Wilson's had all year was 38 against the Miami Dolphins when they got behind. The second most was the Chargers at 37, were the Vikings at 37. He needed to throw the ball to win. And so he will. Wilson's is 200 yards per game is the lowest in his career, right? But they're gonna, he's going to have to throw it to win this game. The opponents throw the ball 58% of time against, against Detroit. They know they need to do it. And Detroit, over the last five games, have given up 29.8 points per game. Think about that now. They've given up almost 30 points per game, and they've scored 28 per game. So they're trending in the wrong direction, too. This Broncos team on the outside looking into the playoff picture right now, sitting at seven and six, but they've won six of their last seven games now are at Detroit. Then they get New England, the Chargers and the Raiders to close out the season. Michael, this team is going to be a playoff team. I think they are. And here's the thing I think you have to. We make this mistake with the Broncos. That game against Miami was such an albatross. It was such an outlier that those numbers get put into the stats and then and then we tend they tend to look worse than they really are. Yep, that was that was an anomaly. That was a different team as well than the one that we're seeing right now down the stretch of the season. Uh, okay, we talked about different game, more of the same. Last week, the Dogs had their best games of the season: eleven and four ATS, eight and seven Dogs winning straight up. Will that trend ultimately bleed into tonight, or will a motivated Raiders team handle business against a backup quarterback? We shall see. So, when we yeah. come back from the break. 
We're going to get into a little bit more of Thursday night football. I want to follow up on what you said earlier this hour on the Raider way. And we also have the final half hour of the show with Mike Palm talking circus survivor and Palms pressing three. Still so much more to get to keep it locked right here on the Lombardi line on VEASAN, the sports betting network. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80 live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. <laughs> 